So I, I want us to start off um, with a little Bible bowl. A little memorization exercise. I, I want to talk about some passages that I, I imagine quite a few of us in this room have memorized. So I'm going to mention an address, like you know, John 3.16 would be the address. That's like where you find it. And, and I just want to see how many people have these these passages memorized, okay? So if anyone knows John 3.16, go ahead and shout it out. What does John 3.16 say? Uh, yeah, little, little, some say it faster, some slower. You know, uh, what about John 3.17? Anyone know what John 3.17 says? 3.16 gets all the attention at the sporting events, but 3.17 is pretty powerful. Anyone know 3.17? There you go. See, 317 is good. What about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Anybody? Boom. That's your favorite. Jeremiah 29, 11. Anybody? All right. Philippians 4, 13. There you go. All things through Christ who strengthens me. Matthew 6.33, anybody? All right. Nicely done. Nicely done. You know what I noticed? Is it that we have these scriptures memorized in like the King James or, or the New King James, right? Like when we read them in a different translation, it kind of throws our game off a little bit because we learned them from our parents or our Sunday school teachers in like King James or New King James. So here's here's a few um, that I think we have the the scripture we know the scripture but maybe when I throw out the address maybe it's not as pronounced so anybody um, John ten ten the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy and I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest John fourteen six this is a big one anybody John fourteen six Jesus said, I am the... No man comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What about Romans 10.13? This one's a big one because I quote it often. Anyone? Romans 10.13? It's up there. That's called a cheat sheet. That's called a cheat sheet. Thank, everyone's like, thank you, Trinity. For everyone calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, don't put this one up until they've answered. Okay. All right. Romans 6.23. Anybody? Romans 6.23. For the wages of... Okay. But there's a second part of that. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, there these, there's passages that we're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Romans 8.28. I don't know what 8.28 says. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. You guys, memorization is, is a powerful weapon in us doing spiritual warfare. Memorization. Having scripture locked and loaded to remind ourselves, to remind God, or to, to you know, beat the enemy over his head with it. Having scripture memorized is powerful. I'd like to add another 
to that arsenal of one that we should memorize. And I'd be, I'd be pretty surprised, not like horribly surprised, but I'd be kind of surprised if, if there was even one person in the place that had this memorized, because it just, it doesn't seem to get the love. And it's one sentence, but it takes up four verses. And I'll be honest, I don't have it memorized yet, but this is the next verse I'm memorizing. And even before I share where it is, I'm kind of, you know, teasing at it. Um, it's perhaps the fullest statement of salvation in all of the New Testament. And it's found in the book of Titus. Titus 3, 4-7 says this. So listen to this one sentence. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to to the hope of eternal life. Isn't that rich? I don't think there's another passage that is as full and rich speaking of salvation in the entire Bible as this passage. You guys, when we get down to it, Christianity is a religion of salvation. Christianity is a religion of salvation. 1 John 4.14 says this, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the, what? Savior of the world. John 19.10 says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. As Christians, we have to understand ours is a belief of salvation. What we do, it's because we believe in salvation. For those of us who have trusted our lives in Jesus Christ, we're saved. We're saved. He came to seek. He came to seek me. He came to save me. Well, guess what? When I heard about His goodness, I trusted in Him, and I'm saved. But it's not supposed to remain in that state because Christianity is a belief system and it is a religion of salvation and there's more to be saved. There's more people to be shared the good news of Jesus Christ. So the scripture from which I'm preaching today is that passage in Titus 3. And I want to read 4 through 7 again, but I want to back up and I want to read the the passage that precedes it. And I want to read one verse ahead of it into verse 8, the one that comes after it. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Titus 3, that's that's where we're camping. So I'll read it starting with verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish. We were once disobedient. We were once deceived or led astray. We were once slaves to various passions and pleasures. We were once passing our days in malice and envy, 
And we were once hated by others and hating one another. And then here's that fullest statement of salvation. But when the good, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy. What I've just said is trustworthy. All this that I've just said, you can trust it. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful, may be thoughtful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and they are profitable for people. Pride is in direct opposition to salvation. If you don't believe me, watch a baseball game and watch the starting pitcher and watch what happens when he gets pulled out of a game and they put someone else in there to save the game. They throw their gloves. They cuss the whole way back to the dugout. They try and talk their coach out of it. Pride is in direct opposition to salvation. Pride says, I got this. I don't need a Savior. I've got this. I don't need saving and I don't need any help. I was doing perfectly fine without you. But the belief of salvation and the message of salvation that we believe in as Christians says you don't got this. None of us do, friend. You do need help, but not my help. Jesus. We all need saving. I was lost without Jesus, and you also are lost. And this is why Jesus was born. And this is why I'm here with you right now. Friends, the message of salvation can never be an offensive message to us. We can never be offended by the message of of people being lost and people being saved. Our entire belief is based on the fact that we are saved. That there is salvation from hurt and shame and bondage and hell. That we can be saved into righteousness, into Jesus. In Titus 3, Paul discusses six ingredients of salvation. I'm going to talk about two of them today. I'm going to talk about the need of salvation and the source of salvation. But above all, I want to talk about the goodness of God. The goodness of God. I said it earlier in the service. We can say that God is good and only good. We can say that God is good all the time. We can say those things and we can believe them fully because we saw the goodness of God fully and perfectly walked out in the person of Jesus Christ. And He was good all the time. 
And He was good and only good. Jesus perfectly exemplified the goodness of the Father. Perfectly demonstrated and set our hopes on the goodness of the Holy Spirit who would come, who's with us now. The goodness of God. In verse 3 of Titus 3 that I read, it said, We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Friends, I'm camping on this not necessarily for your sake. Because if you're saved, then you want to move on to the next part where we start reminding ourselves of how awesome God is and that that Jesus saved us. But see, we've got a lot of friends that this description right here describes where they're at and they're in need of a Savior. And so we're going to camp on this for a little bit to remind us that, that that this right here, this room full of people isn't, representative of of a hurting world out there who needs to know about Jesus. This room is representative of those who've heard about the good news of Jesus and trusted their lives in Jesus and are now whole and saved and free. Let's look at these things from verse 3. Let's look at them in pairs. They kind of duel up here. So let's leave, Trin, let's leave this scripture, this Titus 3.3, let's leave it on the screen the whole time I'm talking about it. Alright. First it says, at one time we were foolish and disobedient. We were foolish and disobedient. That means that we we were both mentally corrupt and morally corrupt. We were both immature and immoral. We were foolish and disobedient. Second, it says, we were deceived or led astray and enslaved. We were deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We were deceived by those pleasures and we were enslaved by those pleasures. Both of those verbs are passive and it indicates that we were the victims of evil. Things that without the strength of Jesus, things without the power of the Holy Spirit, that that we were helpless slash really, really limited to. We couldn't do it on our own. Foolish. Deceived. You guys, Paul is letting us know that there's an enemy. That we have an enemy. And that Satan... He blinds people's minds. He takes people captive. And that and that, that makes us fools and slaves of Him. So thirdly, we lived in malice and envy. Man, these are two ugly twins. Malice and envy. Malice is wishing harm upon people. Malice is wishing evil upon people. Malice is wishing failure upon people, even death upon people, while envy is resenting their good. It's coveting their good. And both of these things destroy human relationships. Fourthly, we were hated and we hated. 
We were hated by others and we hated one another. And, and this isn't just rebellion. This isn't just about rebellion against God. This is a state where people are pushed away just as strongly as God is pushed away. See, as the church, there is supposed to be an embracing on our part of those who don't know Jesus. And there is supposed to be a a wooing, if you will. Because that's what Jesus does. He came to seek and to save the lost. I mean, if I told if I, if I told you guys, you know, there's a hundred dollar bill, I put it in a pink envelope, and I and, and it's somewhere in the open, somewhere in this building, you find it is yours. We'd have like a rat race type, you know, fleeing, you know, to find that pink envelope with a hundred dollar bill in it. We would seek that out. The Bible says that He sought us out. Jesus sought us out, and He saved us. You guys, this, this passage, that verse 3, that talks about those, those four sets of two, this is where we once were. When we read those things, does anybody come to your mind in the workplace? Does anyone come to, to mind in your neighborhood? There's a lot of hurting people out there that need Jesus, that need to hear this next part. For we were ourselves once... Foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. You guys, if we've truly been enslaved and deceived, one thing is abundantly clear. You can't save yourself. I can't save myself. If I've been deceived, I can't save myself. If I've been enslaved, I can't save myself. We need a Savior. We go from the hopelessness of that message. And and I, I hope I've adequately camped on the hopelessness of that part. I hope I have. I hope at this point in the message you're just waiting. Would you get would you get to the next verse? Would you get to the, the good stuff? I hope there's a, a really strong sense of discomfort at this moment. Because it is, that's heavy, man. Think about people that are living in that heaviness how much more heavy it is for them. See, we get to move on to the next verse. We get to move on to the next four or five verses. And we get to, to, to focus on Jesus and walk out of this place encouraged. But friends, we are needed in being a light in a dark world because there's people that that heaviness is going to stay with them all day. All day. Unless someone brings, brings them light. Unless someone will be a light set on a hill. Verse 4, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared... How how did the goodness of God appear? How did the loving kindness of God appear? Through the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, 
and the coming return of Jesus Christ. That's how it appeared. Through Jesus. That's when it appeared. The goodness of God appeared in the person of Jesus. So when we say God is good, we can point to it and say, I can point to the point where, where the goodness of God appeared. I can tell you when it happened. When the loving kindness of God was fully manifested on this earth. Verse 5. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His mercy. You guys, the source of salvation is God's loving kindness. And it's a merciful God. Our God is a merciful God. But according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So I absolutely love this passage. When I talk about it just being a full salvation message, it mentions salvation. It mentions water baptism. It makes reference to the day of Pentecost and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Man, this right here, this is a complete message. I'll go so far as to say if you never, if you memorize one verse, the rest, or one passage, the rest of your life, memorize this. It is a full message. This will preach. This will preach time and time again. Whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Turn, if we can put verse 8 back up there as well. We started off talking about memorization, and then there's a point here when when Paul is talking about remembering, remembrance. Memorization's important. It's a tool, it's an asset, it's a weapon. But remembrance is absolutely vital. Remembering the goodness of God. Remembering the mercy of God. Remembering the promises of God. Remember the things that He says. For people that the Lord has singled out today, go home and write down what the Lord spoke. He spoke to you. He singled you out in a room full of people. He spoke to you. Write it down and say, this day God spoke to me and write down what it was. It talks about that we must be careful to devote ourselves to good works. At the end of this message of salvation, when it talked about justification and grace, he then says we must be careful to devote ourselves to good works. And then he says this, these things are excellent. And these things are profitable for people. These things are profitable for people. I want to I want to challenge us as we are and I really do I, I am thrilled when I talk to well when I talk to you or I talk to anyone else when I talk about what the Lord's doing in our church I'm thrilled I'm excited God's doing awesome things but when I read this at the end and talks about being being thoughtful and careful of good works and then th- these things being excellent and profitable for the people you guys we got to be doing things in Christ Jesus that are profitable for the people, that are profitable for one another. So here's my challenge to us. 
Get to know one another. Get to know one another. You know what? I know people have left. My friends have left. That doesn't give me an excuse not to learn David and Debbie Horn's name and to know that that Abby loves horses and that she's this awesome teenager and that they have another son. Because I miss a friend that left doesn't give me an excuse not to know new people that God has brought into this fellowship and to grow into relationship with people and to grow deep. Because see, that's excellent. That's excellent. And it's profitable for people. When we're hurting, don't just run to the, to the pastor to, to, to be some sort of, I mean, run to the pastor, but don't just run to the pastor because uh, if Melody's hurting, she can turn and she's two inches away from Jaden. Jaden should be there to pray for her. She shouldn't have to make her way across the room when she's right there and Joy's right behind her and Diane's right next to her. And that's the body being the body. It's excellent. And it's profitable for people. We talk about being, being a, a church family and, and we gotta love on one another. But you guys, we also, more than we talk about being a church family, we talk about being a child of God. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. If we don't have any unsaved friends, that is sin. That is sin. Who are they going to hear Jesus from if no one's there to preach? If no one's there to share, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. If there's not someone there to point them to Jesus and say, man, I, I see man, I, I see you're going through a tough stretch and, and you, I, I imagine you feel alone or you might even feel hated. But can I, can I just tell you about Jesus because he loves you and I, you might not want to hear it right now but can I, can I talk to you about Jesus? He loves you. Can I invite you to church? You'll come to church. You'll be in the presence of God. You'll feel a love that you can't dismiss as just being a good group of folks. You'll feel a love that's clearly the Holy Spirit. And that'll open up the doors for some really good dialogue. Would you come to church with me? Would you give God another chance? I don't know if I fully believe in God. Would you come anyway? Would you come anyway? This message is about the goodness of God. But friends, I want this message to make us a bit uncomfortable. I do. I want it to make us uncomfortable. Because there's people that are hurting and lost. And they're stuck in malice and envy. And they're, they're deceived and they're enslaved. And they're in need. They're in need. 